This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight we begin with Mr. and Mrs. North, a mystery melodrama series that aired from 1942 to 1954. The characters originated in the 1930s, the vignettes written by Richard Lockridge for the New York Sun, and he brought them back for short stories in The New Yorker. Their long-run series continued for over two decades and came to an end in 1963 with the death of his wife, Frances. The series was unusual in that it was Mrs. North who often solved the cases while Mr. North was just background much of the time. It began as a light comedy show with a couple residing in New York City, then eventually a mystery show in the season that followed. The show was all about the couple always finding themselves getting involved in a crime committed by others, and Mr. and Mrs. North turned out to be a huge hit, garnering as much as 20 million listeners. For those who love light-hearted mystery series, this is a good one to go to. Mr. and Mrs. North, and the episode entitled, The Letter. Woodbury Cold Cream. Lovely to look at, delightful to know, and heaven to kiss. The makers of Woodbury Cold Cream, the beauty cream for the skin you love to touch, present... The Adventures of Mr. and Mrs. North. Pam and Jerry knew Albie Baker couldn't have committed the murder. But there was all that evidence against him. And as his own lawyer said to the Norths one night in their apartment. I don't like it. I'm his lawyer, and his story doesn't even sound good to me. Yeah, I know. Oh, but you must believe him. Albie'd never kill anyone, never. What makes you so sure? Why, Jerry and I have known him for years. Well, I'm afraid that wouldn't convince a jury, Pamela. Pam's right, though. Albie's no killer. All you have to do is look at him, Mr. Hanson. He has one of the kindest faces I've ever seen. Oh, oh if only there was some way of finding that letter. Yes, yes. The letter is the only piece of evidence to support Baker's story. And nobody has ever seen it except Baker himself. Al said he showed it to Krug. But Krug denies it. He's lying. Well, it's Baker's word against Krug's. And with all the other evidence against Baker, I'm afraid the jury will believe Krug. Mr. Baker, just tell the court your story the way you told it to me. Now, you've told us that Private Detective Anderson questioned you about the stolen goods in your store. Yes, sir. He asked me where I got the merchandise, and I, I said from Mr. Warren. But I didn't know where Warren got it. 
What did the detective say to that? He said he'd investigate Warren. And then what happened? Well, about a week later, I got a letter from Detective Anderson. He said he thought he had the goods on Warren and asked me to invite Warren to my apartment. I was to introduce Anderson to Warren as uh, as a friend of mine. Well, then... So, Mr. Baker, Detective Anderson wrote you a letter telling you that he wanted to meet Warren in your apartment, did he? Uh, yes, sir. Where is that letter? I... I don't know. You don't know? I see. Did anyone besides yourself ever see that letter? Yes. Yes, I, I showed it to Wilbur Crew. Why? Well, I, I wanted his advice. After Anderson was murdered in my apartment, I, I was in a jam. I thought Wilbur would help me. I showed him the letter and asked him what I, what I should do. What did he do with it? I don't know. He, he must have destroyed it. Did you see him destroy it? No, sir. You didn't see what he did with it? No, sir, I did not. Well, wasn't that a rather strange thing to do? To give someone such a vital piece of evidence and then not even notice what he did with it. I, I was upset and confused. I, I hardly knew what was happening. Besides, I thought he was my friend. I, I didn't think of was... Mr. Krug, did the defendant ever show you a letter to him from Frank Anderson stating that Anderson was to meet Warren in the defendant's apartment? No. He did not. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, this case is very simple. Stolen merchandise was found in the store of the defendant. This is a fact. A man investigating the stolen goods was murdered in the defendant's apartment. This is a fact. Against these facts, we have only the defendant's word. And the letter he claims the dead man, Anderson, wrote him. Very well, where is that letter? Did anyone but the defendant ever see that letter? No. And why? For the very simple reason that there is no such letter. There never was such a letter. Frank Anderson didn't go to Baker's apartment to see Warren. He went there to see Baker. And it was Baker who killed him. <laughs> Gentlemen of the jury, have you reached a verdict? We have, Your Honor. We find the defendant guilty as charged. Jerry, I'm just sick. Think of it. Albie Baker convicted of murder. Yeah. Such a nice little fellow. Only there was something we could do. Oh, darling, I don't feel like seeing anyone. Well, I'll go send whoever it is away. Ah, Mr. North. Oh, hello, Mr. Krug. May I come in? I have something to tell you. You mean you're ready to tell the truth about that letter? More. I'm ready to produce it. What? Yes. Oh, don't think I've enjoyed playing the part I did. I despise myself. But I'm really a very weak character, and in my own way, I have to look out for myself. Every man for himself in this dog-eat-dog world, I always say. Skunk would be more like it. But come on in if you really have something to offer. Oh, thank you. Don't be too harsh in judging me. I'm prepared to undo the wrong I've done. Good. But uh, for a price. Ah, Mrs. North, as lovely as ever I see. Darling, this worm has decided to take a turn for the better. He's going to let us have the letter. Oh, good. But as I mentioned before, 
For a price. All right. What price? Well, it depends. On what? On Cupy Warren. What's he got to do with it? Well, uh, the letter, while clearing Albie, would convict Warren. Under the circumstances, he'd be willing to bid on the letter, too. Do you mean you're going to give that horrible thug a chance to buy that letter? To, to practically buy Albie's life? You know we can't match dollars with that gangster. He's big time, and I don't have that kind of money. As for Al, the poor fellow sank his last cent on the trial. You have friends. Well, I... I'll see what I can do. Mr. Krug, you're... You're... Oh, there are no words for you. Well, after all, Mrs. North, I do have to eat, you know. Why? Ah, oh, me. Everyone hates me. Well, it's to be expected. But do unto others and you wind up on the breadline, I always say. I'd much rather be comfortable and well-fed than popular. So, let's get down to business. Now, tomorrow you come to the address I'll give you. Naturally, you won't mention this to the police till the deal's off. I'll see to it that you're not followed. You'll go up one flight of stairs, knock on the door three times, and if everything is ready... Ah, Mr. and Mrs. North, I've been waiting. Uh, come in. Mr. and Mrs. North, allow me to present Mr. Cupy Warren. How are you? Why are you locking the door? So we won't be disturbed. Well, now let's get started, shall we? Come over to the table and sit down. All right. All right, Bright Eyes, where's that letter? In time, Mr. Warren, in time. I ain't got time and I ain't bidden till I see what I'm bidding on. Very well. Just a moment and I'll get it. North, if you and your missus are smart, you're going to keep your mouth shut when I start bidding. Unfortunately, we're not very smart. Well, don't say I didn't warn you. If you wake up in the morgue some morning, you'll know why. All right, folks, here we are. The one and only genuine Frank Anderson letter to Albie Baker. Let's see that. Ah, uh -uh, Mr. Warren, mustn't touch. Give me that letter. Oh, a gun? Yeah. Now hand over that letter. Oh. Thank you, thank you, Mr. North. You hit him with that chair just in time. And now I have the gun. I was very foolish. I should have seen to it that he was disarmed before he came in here. Ah. Get up, Cupie. You're all right. Oh, I'll get you for this, North. Well, folks, shall we start the bidding? Yes, let's get it over with. Very well. What am I bid for this 100% foolproof, perfect alibi for Albie Baker? I'll give you a grand. I beg your pardon. You heard me. A grand, he says. $1,000. Don't you realize your life hangs on this piece of paper, Mr. Warren? Is that all your life is worth to you, a measly $1,000? His life isn't worth a measly 20 cents. I'll bid 2000 But, Mr. North, Albie Baker's life also depends on this paper. Is $2,000 all you bid for your very dear friend? He was supposed to be your very dear friend, too, remember? Come now. Let's stop this fooling around. I want a real bid. Five grand. And if you open your mouth, North, I'll push your face so far back through your head every time you want to blow your nose, you'll have to turn around. Ten thousand. All right, wise guy, you'll get yours. Ten thousand, I'm bid. Ten thousand. Do I hear fifteen? Come, come, gentlemen, what are we waiting for? Fifteen. Twenty. Why, you? Well, now, this is more like it. Twenty is bid. Do I hear thirty? Thirty, thirty. Do I hear thirty? Jerry, where are we going to get twenty thousand dollars? I don't know. Twenty-five. Thirty. Mr. You're just asking for trouble and don't think you won't get it. Now, I'll give you just one more chance. Forty grand, Krug, and that's positively, absolutely my last bid. And, North, if you and the little lady don't want to go swimming in the river with your feet in a bucket of semen... Ignore him, Mr. North. I have 40,000. Will anyone make it 50? 50, do I hear 50? 
40,000, then. It's going at 40,000. Going once. Jerry, we can't let him get away with it. I know, darling. Going twice. Okay, Krug. I'll make it 50. All right, brother, if that's the way you want to play. 50,000, do I hear? Stick. You don't hear nothing. Let him take it. Okay. Sold to Mr. North for $50,000. How long can I have to raise the money? You don't have it with you? Huh. Don't be funny. Well, uh, how about tomorrow noon? Well, that's pretty fast. I'm in a hurry. I want to get this over with. Well, I'll do what I can. All right. I'll call you tomorrow and make arrangements. You better make arrangements for his funeral. <laughs> Jerry, how will we ever get that money? We're not millionaires. We're not even 50,000 heirs. Well, we'd better be before noon tomorrow if we want to get that letter. I wonder if it really is the letter. That's word for word what Albie told me was in the letter. We've just got to get that money. Can we, Jerry? I doubt it. But you bid. For time, darling. There must be some way we can... Jerry, look out, that car. Quick, Pam, come here. Jerry, you pulled me into this doorway just in time. Yeah, it seems Cupid's losing no time keeping his promise. Jerry, car stopping in the next block. It's turning around. Oh, come on, I don't feel like playing target for that thug with a machine gun anymore. Where are we going? There's a taxi across the street. Oh, here we are. Quick, get in. Driver, start going. I don't care where, only make it fast. Jerry, they're coming. Hurry, driver. Golly. They're still coming. Driver, turn again at the next corner. See if you can get away from that car that's following us. Good. Oh. Now, if you can shake them, you can name your own tip. But if you can't... Oh, we... Let's not even think about that, Jerry. After all, I don't have a thing to wear to my funeral. I hope I never have to go through anything like that again. No, it was a pretty bad ten minutes, wasn't it? If our driver hadn't cut through that alley, we never would have shaken them. Well, what do we do now, Jerry? We can't stay cooped up in this hotel room. Got to find some way to raise that money. Let's see. Do do we know anybody with $50,000 to spare? Do we know anybody with $50,000? No. Oh, there must be some way to get our hands on some money. Either beg, borrow, or steal it. Of course, Jerry. Steal it. Oh, now, Pamela, if you think I'm going to rob a oh, bank... Oh, no, no, Jerry. Not money. The letter. What? Why don't we steal the letter? Oh. Well, we could... We could just... I, I don't know. It does seem like a good idea. We don't even know where he keeps it. It was in the back room. Yes, but you can be sure it's well concealed. He probably expects us to try just what you're suggesting. Well, I know how we can find out where he keeps it, Jerry. You see... When he thinks the house is on fire, he'll oh, go right to the Wait a minute, farm. wait a minute. Why should he think the house is on fire? Because of the smoke, silly. What smoke? From the bomb. Bomb smoke? What the dickens are you talking about? A scandal in Bohemia. Oh, uh, what? Don't you ever read, Jerry. Nice book publisher. A scandal in Bohemia is a story by Sherlock Holmes. Oh. You know, when Holmes wanted to find out where something was hidden, he had Watson set off a smoke bomb so that the woman who had hidden it would go and get it, and then he could get it. Uh, only he couldn't because she was very clever and, uh, well... Uh, that, well that, I that's mean... all right, darling. I remember the story now. Well, how about it then, Jerry? 
Well? We can go see Mr. Krug to uh, ask for more time or something, and then we can set off the smoke bomb, and he'll think the house is on fire, and he'll run to get the All right, sweetheart, all right. You win. Let's go see what happens when smoke gets in his eyes. Just what to do, don't you, Pam? Yes. Good. Just watch for my signal. Uh-huh. Well, here's Krug's apartment. We've got to be ready to work fast. Oh, gollies, I hope it goes all right. Cupid! Oh! Yeah. You didn't expect to find me here, did you? <laughs> but I thought me and the boys ought to drop over and pay Krug a visit. And now you come to the party, too. <laughs> well, that's... Well, that's just swell. <laughs> come in. Well, I think we'd better... Uh... Uh, we were just leaving. I said, come in. That's right. Look, boys, we got company. Okay, Butch, lock the door. Now, a brief intermission with a wartime duty rule for the ladies. These war days... We can't have all we'd like in the way of member. Good grooming can do more than fine clothes to make you lovely to look at. And there's a wonderful way to help your skin keep immaculately well-groomed. A way so quick and easy that it might have been made just for these busy days. You see, there's one cream that, all alone, does everything for skin beauty. It gives your skin complete beauty care, for it's a complete beauty cream. It's Woodbury Cold Cream. Just try it tonight and see. Dip into a jar of silky soft Woodbury Cold Cream and cover your face with it well. The rich cleansing oils loosen dirt and old makeup. So wipe off the soil cream. Your skin will simply glow. It's so fresh, so clean. Now pat on more Woodbury and leave some on your skin overnight. That's all. You've given yourself the famous Woodbury Beauty Nightcap. It takes just three minutes, and tomorrow, when you see your clearer, smoother, more radiant complexion, you want to do that every night. Use Woodbury to cleanse your skin in the daytime, too. Your makeup will go on with a porcelain-perfect finish. Four special softening and smoothing ingredients make Woodbury Cold Cream so beautifying. Another ingredient makes Woodbury exceptionally safe, for it works constantly purifying the cream in the jar in case blemish-causing germs get in. No other cream gives you this added protection. Try this complete beauty cream. Get Woodbury Cold Cream tonight. And now back to Mr. and Mrs. North. In their attempt to get the letter that will clear Albie Baker, the Norths have gone to Krug's apartment, only to be greeted there by Cuby Wise. You know, Mr. and Mrs. North, you just don't seem never to learn. Should I give them a once-over lightly, boss, just so they get the idea you ain't fooling? Not yet, Butch. You're not through with Krug. <laughs> Leave me alone, won't you? Sure, sure. As soon as you tell us where you got that letter. I'll never tell you. Okay, Butch. Right, boss. Now, Krug, this is going to hurt you more than it does me. No, no, Bruce. That was nothing, Mrs. North. 
Butch is just getting warmed up. You gonna talk, mister? Okay, how do you like this? No! No! Stop it! Stop it! I'll tell you. I'll show you where the letter is. Okay, Krug. Where is it? I'll get it. It's behind this picture. There's a panel. Jerry, he's getting the letter. What do we do? Let's set off the smoke bomb. Maybe in the excitement. Oh, of course, Jerry. Oh, no, you don't. I'll take that thing. Come on, hand it over. Come on. Okay. Jerry, we're licked. Looks like it. All right. Here's the letter. Good. Bring it here, Butch. Here you are, boss. Ah. Oh. Huh. So I was supposed to top 50 grand for this, hey, Krug? <laughs> now I'll just take this cigarette lighter. And I'll light this corner of the letter. And there goes the last piece of evidence against QP Warren up in smoke. There it goes, Jerry. Yeah. $50,000. Albie's chance for freedom. Well, that's that. We failed, Jerry. Yeah, we certainly did. Is there any chance of doing anything for Albie now? I'm afraid not. We can only hope. I'll go, dear. Ah, hello there, North Old Man. Do you always have to be so blamed cheerful? Ah, but I have good news for you. Yeah? What? I'm a liar. A frightful liar. Is that good? But of course. Uh, may I come in? Okay. Well, darling, Crew crawled out from under his rock again. He says he has some good news for us. Hello, hello, Mrs. Norris. Hello. My friends, do you still wish to purchase that letter? What do you mean? It would have been foolish of me to show the real letter, wouldn't it? When I was dealing with a man like Cupy Warren who might pull a gun at any moment. Yes, it would have been insanely foolish. And, Mr. and Mrs. North, I am not foolish. Weak? Yes. Selfish? Yes. But, uh... Do you mean that letter Krug burned was not the original? Exactly, Mr. North. It was a copy. And the original? It's carefully put away where it shall remain until the money is made ready to change hands. Oh, thank heavens. Jerry, there's still a chance. Yes. Well, now, sir, do we do business or don't we? We do. Good. But on different terms. I beg your pardon. You were able to force a high bid from Jerry before by the pressure of Cupy's bidding. But since you can't deal with Cupy anymore... Why can't I deal with him? Because you tricked him. So he'd never trust you again. He'd never know whether you were holding back a, a photographic copy or something. And the letter doesn't do him any good unless he's sure that he's destroyed every last copy of it. That's right, Krug. Ah, me. So it is. So it is. Distressing fact. But we'll do business with you because we only have to worry about one copy. The original. But we'll have to make sure it is the original. And we won't pay you anything like $50,000. What will you pay? Oh, perhaps a thousand. <laughs> My dear man, you're joking. It wouldn't be worthwhile to bother. You seem to forget, Mr. Krug, that if we don't buy that letter, it's worthless. You might just as well take what we offer as it's all clear profit. And you seem to forget that if I don't take your offer, Albie Baker goes to the electric chair. I can sit tight and wait. I think you'll come across. Oh, you're despicable. I certainly am. I hate you. I hate myself. You seem cheerful enough about it. That, sir, is because I dislike myself so thoroughly, I enjoy hating me. Oh. The trouble with me is I should have been a poet instead of a blackmailer. 
I have the heart of a poet, the feelings of a poet, the soul of a poet. Well, then why aren't you a poet? Simple. My poetry stinks. Tell you what, Knopf. Let's settle this matter. Ten thousand dollars. Take it or leave it. Okay. It's a deal. Jerry, do, do we just stand here on the corner until he shows up? Uh-huh. Now that he's ready to show the original letter, he's being extra cautious. He's not telling us any address. Afraid we might send the police there. I only hope this time it is the original. Well, I got some samples of Anderson's handwriting. We'll compare them with the letter. I'm not giving up $10,000 for any phony. I have too much trouble raising it. How will we ever pay it back, Jerry? It won't be easy. Fifteen, seven, a dollar, five. Uh, make it a dollar. That's easier. Uh, how many weeks are there in a year, Jerry? Fifty-two. <laughs> Why? I'm trying to figure out how much we could save if you give up smoking. Oh, I'm afraid it's not very much. It's too bad I don't smoke, then I could give it up, too, and we'd save twice as much. Oh, we'll manage somehow, Pam. But it won't be easy. You know, Jerry, people shouldn't be allowed to blackmail anyone except very rich people. I think that's crew coming out. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. North. Get in, please. Okay. Go ahead, Pam. All right. There we are. Now we'll just drive around for a while. Oh, the OPA is not going to like that. Ah, I have to make sure we're not being followed. Better to be cautious than sorry, I always say. And I'm satisfied no one is following. I'll take you to a room I've rented just for this little meeting. Well, Mr. North, are you satisfied that that is the real letter? Hmm. Yeah, it seems to be. Good. Then if you'll pay me, we can conclude our little negotiation. Here you are. Ah, thank you, thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Mm-hmm. Yes, seems to be correct. Well, that's that then. I'll run along now, but just one more thing. You want to wait here for five minutes before leaving. All right. Well, goodbye, and please believe me when I tell you I'm heartily ashamed of myself. Goodbye. Well, we've got it at last, Jerry. Yep. Well, I can hardly wait to tell Albie. Do they have telephones at Sing Sing? Well, not private ones. It'd be a wonderful surprise for him. Mr. Cupy Warren's in for a surprise, too. Yes. Oh, how I'd like to see his face when he finds out that what he burned was only a copy and that we have the original. <laughs> What's your sister? Oh. Well, take a good look. Cupy. Yeah, and this time I'm finishing the job. I've had trouble with you two for the last time. What are you going to do? What do you think I'm going to do? Nobody plays me for a sucker and gets away with it. Oh, but it was Mr. Cruz. I'll take care of him later. Right now I got business with you. I'll fix you so I don't have no more trouble with you. Oh, wait a minute. Can't we... No, talk? I won't wait. I'm finishing you now, mister. Oh. What happened, Jerry? Hello, Mr. and Mrs. North. Cruz. I never thought I'd be glad to see you. I saw Cupid coming down the hall, so I hid, and then I followed him back here. You saved our lives. Oh, I had to. I rented this room, you see. If you were found dead in it, I'd be suspected, so I couldn't let him kill you. Not here. How did he know we were here? Well, I don't know. He must have had someone spying. Uh, how is he? Did I... Uh, why doesn't he move? Oh, dear. I'm afraid I've killed him. Looks like it. I only meant to wound him. Oh, dear. Now his body will be found. I'm no better off than if he killed you. Uh, uh, somehow I like it better this way. But 
Look, um, I was only trying to protect you. That's true, isn't it? Yes. You'll say that, won't you? You're the only witnesses you know. You'll testify that he was trying to kill you, won't you? If you don't, they might make a first-degree case out of it. Please don't let me down. After all, I saved your life. Yes, you did. So you will tell them what happened, won't you? Sure, we will. Don't worry. Ah, thank you. However, it's going to cost you just $10,000. What? Yes, otherwise we might have a sudden lapse of memory. Isn't that right, Pam? Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, how about it? Okay. You win. Here you are. Good. Thanks. Ah, me. Well, that's life. Nothing ventured, nothing gained, I always say. However, it is rather annoying to have ventured so far and still gained nothing. Well, it's no more than I deserve, I dare say. It's a lot less than you deserve. You ought to be in jail. However, let well enough alone, I always say. Uh, What's that? Cupid. Uh, what? But you said... You said... No, I didn't. You did. Oh. Your shot missed him completely, but it startled him just enough to give me a chance to clip him. He was standing between you and me so you couldn't see it. No, no, no. Your gun won't help you. I have Cupid's gun now, and I'm ready to use it. Better put yours on the table. Go on. All right. Ah, me. Seems I've played every card wrong, haven't I? Well, I suppose there's nothing left for me to do but go back to my portrait. Well, Jerry, we have the letter and it didn't cost us a thing. And we've caught Cupid. Everything's turned out for the best after all, hasn't it? Not quite. What do you mean, darling? Think what we've done to love as a portrait. <laughs> One of the busiest Bond sellers among the film stars is Dorothy L'Amour. And she's one of Hollywood's busiest filmmakers, too. You'll be seeing her soon in the new Paramount Technicolor picture, Riding High. Now, in spite of all that Dorothy L'Amour is doing, that luscious complexion of hers stays as fresh and clear as ever. For you see, Dorothy L'Amour is mighty smart. She's got her complexion care down to a matter of just a few minutes. And here's what she told us about it. My every night skin care is the Woodbury Beauty Nightcap. I've never found anything else so helpful. It's all done with Woodbury Cold Cream in just three minutes. And many more among Hollywood's loveliest stars have this same beauty care. Try it, girl. Woodbury Cold Cream gives such remarkable results because it's a complete beauty cream. Besides cleansing, it softens and smooths beautifully and does still more. Jars ten cents to a dollar and a quarter. That's Woodbury, W-O-O-D-B-U-R-Y. Woodbury Cold Cream. Get a jar tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, give to the National War Fund. This fund helps many great works. It combines the appeals of 17 national relief organizations and your own money go for our boys in prison camps, to feed starving children abroad, and, of course, for relief work in your own community. The need is greater than ever. So give when the war chest drive is announced in your community. Give as you never gave before. Tune in again next week at this same time for another adventure of Mr. and Mrs. North, starring Alice Frost and Joseph Curtin. For thrills and laughs, be sure to listen, won't you? This is Ben Grower saying goodnight for Woodbury Cold Cream. Lovely to look at, delightful to know, and heaven to care.
Stay tuned for Red Skelton next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to see what trouble Red Skelton gets into when he goes to court to fight a traffic ticket. It's Moisturize, the new, all-new, Rolly 903 cigarette. Listen. That jet of fresh, pure moisture stands for the new, different, moisturized Rolly 903. New blend, new taste, new freshness. It's the new, all-new, moisturized Rolly 903. Pleasure to bring you Metro Golden Mayor's popular comedian and the star of our Raleigh cigarette program, Red Skelton. Thank you very much and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hey, Mr. Raleigh walked in tonight, see, and he's got a towel over his arm, and I says, What's that for? He says, Everybody I meet says, How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Red, do you know what today is? Yeah, it's Tuesday, isn't it? Or did I get up for nothing? Well, today's April Fool's Day. Yeah, today I feel legal, you know. <laughs> did anybody play a trick on you? Yeah, when I woke up this morning, I started, unra- started unwrapping a big package. Well, what was in it? Me. <laughs> you know, I haven't seen you around Reuben's Market lately. How come? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's because I haven't been down there. <laughs> There's brilliant new material, isn't it? It's jokes like that that's going to put me back at O'Connor and Weiss Shoe Factory. <laughs> hey, we may stay on for the summer, you know. With material like this, we leave the audience cold, you know. <laughs> Say, we've been doing retakes on Merton of the Movies. Well, what part of the picture are you working on now? The love scenes with Virginia O'Brien. Well, why didn't you do the love scenes right in the first place? I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Well, are you convincing as a lover? Yeah, Virginia told me that when it comes to making love, I could teach Gable a thing or two about jujitsu. <laughs> well, what does your director, Richard Thorpe, think about your acting? Well, I'm, I'm, I don't like to talk about things like that. <laughs> Besides, we got a lot of kids listening. <laughs> well, I know any picture that he directs will be a hit. Richard Thorpe never misses. You can say that again. I got two teeth missing to prove it. <laughs> We've been working nights, you know. Well, I guess it's pretty tough working these cold, rainy nights. Yeah, what's your talk? What's your talk? We never say rain out here. It's merely California shedding a few tears for the bad weather that Florida is having. <laughs> That's a good one, huh? I'm proud of that. Too bad it wasn't in the script. <laughs> You know, Mr. Bear must think a lot of you, Red, with all this work they're doing on Merton of the Movies. Oh, yeah. They must have an awful lot of money tied up in it. Two million dollars, my boy. Including your salary? Uh, no, I forgot that. That makes it two million and ninety-eight cents. <laughs> <laughs> I work pretty hard out there, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you know how hard I work? How hard? They bid on me three times at Santa Anita at the mayor auction. <laughs> Well, 
Well, they previewed that picture once. What happened? Wasn't it funny? Funny? My next-door neighbor saw it, and he almost died. Really? Yep. Some popcorn stuck in her throat. Almost <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Anita Ellis sings Sunday Kind of Love. I want a Sunday kind of love, a love to last past Saturday I want a Sunday kind of love I want a love that's on the square Can't seem to find somebody to care I'm on a lonely road that leads me nowhere Sunday kind of love I do my Sunday dreaming And all my Sunday scheming Every minute, every hour, every day I'm hoping to discover A certain kind of love who will show me the way My arms need someone to enfold To keep me warm when Mondays are cold A love for all my life to have and to hold I want a Sunday kind of Skelton scrapbook of satire. <laughs> you got something on Patrillo that he let you get away with? <laughs> Chapter one is entitled Willie Lump Lump in the Traffic Court. <laughs> Okay, get your hands off of me. <laughs> Where's the police commissioner? I'll have every one of you cops locked up. Yes, order in the court, order. It must be something new. I'll have a ham sandwich. <laughs> Stop making a nuisance of yourself. Look, my beautiful specimen of undeveloped seaweed. Oh. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you sitting in the back seat telling me how to drive all the time. <laughs> 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 
bring this man back here tomorrow. You'll see me today. How do you feel? Oh, no, you don't. I'm wise to you, birds. A judge once asked me, how do you feel? I said, fine. He said, send dollars. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. What are you charged with? Oh, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> What's your name? Wouldn't say. Ask me again, I'll tell you something. <laughs> Willie Lump Lump, what's yours? Willie, hmm? your honor, he means no wrong. He, uh, he's just frightened. Oh, no, I ain't. You aren't scared? No. Willie, look at me. Now I'm scared. <laughs> Will the arresting officer step forward yeah. and state the charge? Yeah, tell him about yes, it. Yes, sir. He resisted arrest, was speeding down a one-way street with no lights on. Yep. You're charged with three violations. What do you have to say? Who do I see about opening a charge account? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Lumpluck, are you guilty or not guilty? Yes, I am. Yes, you am what? <laughs> you listen to Amos and Andy a lot, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm either guilty or not guilty. Figure it out for yourself. I ain't no stool pigeon here. <laughs> Just pick up any line and start reading. I don't... Well, which are you? Guilty or not guilty? I think that's a rather personal question, if you ask me. How fast was he driving, officer? Tell him, blabbermouth. <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> Look, if I was speeding, so was you. Otherwise, you would have never caught me. Now, work your way out of that one. <laughs> Look, you forget your charges against me, and I'll do the same for you, and I'll be on my way. Really, should I call your lawyer Frank Belcher? You will not. I talked to him this morning. He says, I'll go down there with you. I says, no, you won't. He said he was going to get me a suspended sentence. Well, is a suspended sentence bad? Yeah. Uh, do you know what happens when you get a suspended sentence? They hang you, don't they? <laughs> Boy, that's what I like. is a courtroom that will applaud. <laughs> Your Honor. Well, really, Willie. Willie's a good man. Yes, I'm a he's, he's a close observer of all traffic laws. Oh, stop beating around the bush. Close observer. Why don't you come right out and tell a man I'm nearsighted and get it over? <laughs> You're nearsighted and you drive without glasses, eh? Yep. Now, how far can you see? Pretty good. A clear day, I can see the sun. <laughs> too fast for him. He didn't even get it. Look, wise guy, in about two seconds, I'm going to wrap this gavel around your neck. What? Now, how far can you see? About six feet. <laughs> then how do you know where you're going? Just follow the radiator tap. <laughs> what would you do if someone stepped off the curbstone? I'd knock him back on the sidewalk before he got hurt. <laughs> to make him stop driving. Why, last week he went right through a stoplight. Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, 
yes, you did. Oh, no, I didn't. All right, you didn't. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> you see, he admits it. Oh, no, I don't. Look, I didn't go through a stoplight, Your Honor. Honor. I stopped dead the minute I hit it. You mean you wrecked your car? Not exactly. I always drive around with a motor in my lap. Well, I find you $100 and sentence you to 90 days in jail. Uh, you're pretty liberal with other people's time, ain't you, old boy? Next case. Well, Willie, it's your own fault. Yeah, I know, but I had it coming to me. If I'd have been that judge, you know what I would have done? I'd have sentenced a thoughtless offender like me for a year. You know, I just happened to realize something. I could have been killed, or I could have killed somebody. You know, driving carelessly and not obeying the laws that protect safety of the lives of other people and your own makes you the same as a criminal that carries a gun and goes out with the intent to kill. And it's the little laws that we break that contribute to the overthrow of our American way of life. And it comes down. David Forrester and his Raleigh Cigarette Orchestra play Karaoke.
That was wonderful, David. You even look like a tamale now, believe me. <laughs> Chapter two is entitled The Great Pie Mystery. <laughs> Well, there's nobody around. Here I is, all alone. The stage is set for catastrophe. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to call up somebody on the telephone. I'm going to call on the telephone. Hello? Hello? Operator? Give me, uh, ought, 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 double ought, ought, nothing. Why, that's your own number. Well, naturally, I don't want to talk to strangers, you know. What number do you wish, sir? Sure. Oh, boy, she think I was a man, boy. <clears throat> Look, uh, babe, what you doing tonight, cookie? Nothing. If your mother's going out, I could come by and see that you don't fall out of your cradle. Yeah. <laughs> Look, give me the FBI real quick, will you? Hello, this is the office of the FBI. Well, look, uh, I, as an honest citizen, I want to tell you where, where you can lay your hands on a whole lot of crooks, a whole gang of criminals. Yes? Where about? Alcatraz. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> now back to me fleet of boats in the bathtub. I'm going to sail me boats in the bathtub. <laughs> Who left that bar of soap on the floor? <laughs> Uh-oh, the voice of doomsday. <laughs> Here I am, kiddo. What are you up to? Up to me neck. I'm sitting in the bathtub. <laughs> I'm sailing me boat. Junior, hmm? have you seen my new shoes? You mean the submarine? Sub- <laughs> Junior! <laughs> Those things at the bottom of the tub look like my shoes. Well, give them a couple of minutes. They won't. <laughs> my Easter shoes are ruined. Oh. Get out of that water. Hmm? Oh, you've got your well, naturally. We get dirty together, we just well get clean together. <laughs> and besides, I gotta wear my clothes. You always sneaking in unexpected, the goodness. Well, what is this bottle of mercurochrome doing out of the medicine cap? I poured it in the tub. I'm sailing on the Red Sea today. <laughs> oh, I've never... Come here to me. No, if I don't... You'll I... get a whipping. And if I do, I get a whipping. Look, kiddo, you're going to have to entice me with a better bargain than that, will you? Get out of that tub. No. I'm going to have to spank you. No, Grandma. You spank me, I cry, and then you feel sorry for me, and then you give me a cookie and I eat it. But right now, I have four. So let's just forget the whole thing. Here. Hmm? Get out of those wet clothes. Yes? What's this in your back pocket? The snake. Ooh, your grandfather's electric razor. Now, what were you doing with that? I'm not going to tell you what I've been doing with the razor. But that naked cat is the weirdest looking thing. (laughs) Here, put this suit on. No, I'm not going to wear that thing. Don't you like the suit? No, I don't. With that sissy suit, I always has a fight when I wear it. You always get in a fight no matter what you wear, so what's the difference? Plenty. With this suit, I gotta fight the little girls, too. <laughs> a blue bow down the front with a big ribbon in the back. I can just see Dickie Olin, you know, and the juvenile jury gang just waiting to take a clink at me as I walk by. Junior, know? you're not going to let those ruffians bully you. you know, ruffians. Abraham Lincoln once wore a suit his grandmother made for him, really? and a group of toughies made fun of him and tried to muss his suit up. But young Abe took care of them. Look, that was long time ago, kiddo. Let's face it, we is living in the bubblegum age, you know. <laughs> well, 
sets it up for this foolishness. Yeah. You sit right here on this table. Oh, yeah. And I'll tie your shoelaces for you. Yeah, okay. Hey, Nemo, why are you making a hen knot? Oh, I guess I got carried away for a second. <laughs> there. Now, see if you can stay clean for about three minutes. Okay, so you watch me. I'm going to jump off with your table. No, no, watch don't me. jump. There's a weak spot in the floor. <laughs> Nemo, open your shallow door. Are you all right? No, no, don't make a fuss. Oh, dear. No, you no, could no. have fallen in the hot furnace. No, no, don't get oh. I don't care. I wish I had, boy. I would just sit there and barbecue myself, you know. <laughs> I'd just sit there and bake myself with hot coals, you know. Spit on me to hear me sizzle, you know, I would. I mean, I would wither up and I would... Oh, no, no, no. What's wrong? I scared me, Dad. Bless his little heart. Yeah, bless his little heart. Now, don't cry. Okay. Grandma, I'll give you a nice piece of fresh pie. Okay. Pie? Yeah. Uh-oh. I don't think I want oh, to. Now, smell them. Mm, yes, it's more good. Oh, heavens. Someone has taken a big bite out of the middle of each pie. Now, who would do the thing like that? I think I know the answer to that. I think you do, too, so let's just skip it. Junior, hmm? look me in the eye. Now, if you're telling the truth, you'll yes. be able to keep looking me in the eye. If mm -hmm. not, you'll have to look down. Mm -hmm. Now, did you touch those pies? No, I did not. And I can see I need a shoe shine, too. <laughs> Now, now, <laughs> look, Grandma. Now, it must have been an inside job. Look, you better look for some fingerprints. Look for footprints. No, look there aren't foot any footprints, foot but there are fingerprints. Well, there couldn't be. I wore my catcher's mitt. What did you say? <laughs> I mean, look, them pies with the middles, I look like catcher's mitts. Look. Well, if you didn't eat the pies, you're probably hungry for some pies. No, no. So I... I'll give you a big hunk. A big hunk? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, maybe tomorrow. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is your face so green? Watch out, Tommy. Don't give me away, will you? <laughs> Look, I think I'm going to go outside and play. Here you are. It's little big, isn't it? What's wrong? Hmm? Why do you just stand there looking at it? You know, if whoever ate all that pie was to eat more on top of it, it would make them sick, wouldn't it? It would help. <laughs> and here's some milk. Milk. Oh, no, take it away, take it away. It looks like bleach castor oil. <laughs> now, I don't think I want it. You I drink don't... it. Hmm? Milk makes strong teeth. Well, if milk makes teeth strong, why does Grand put his in water every night? Hmm? <laughs> yeah, but uh, what time did old Laura Plate Wobble stagger in last night? Right? You know them more for them teasy his? That Laura Plate Wobble is affecting his whole body. Wobble you just stop stalling yeah. and eat the pie. Okay. Boy, that's good, eh? Yum, yum. Junior, you've got your mouth full. Now swallow. I did, but this is as far as it goes. <laughs> and stop eating with your mouth open. I gotta get air, don't I? <laughs> Junior. Junior, you're not eating that pie. Now eat it so I can get you another big piece. I... <clears throat> another piece? Junior, mm. why don't you eat? 
I'm just not hungry, I guess. Why, Junior? Don't stand so close to me, Grandma. <laughs> hey, why are you looking at me like that? Junior, yes? eat all of that pie. I don't want to. You make me eat that pie, I'm going to tell you. You're going you. to tell what? I will tell everybody she used to be Tricky Finger Felt in the shoplifter. Ooh, that was no such thing. Oh, no. Hey, Tricky Finger, nobody's looking. Grab that vase over there. You grab it. I'm a little chill. <laughs> I do it again, I can put that old kiddo into saying anything I want to do. <laughs> I'll see you later, Grandma. I know I'm very hungry for pie. Junior. Hmm? Eating that pie makes you feel a little guilty, doesn't it? It does. Now, I want the truth, Junior. Did you dig into those pies? I worked hard to bake those pies. Hey, Grandma, why are you holding that pie like that, huh? Don't you know? You look like you're going to smack me in the kisser with it. <laughs> oh, but you wouldn't do the thing like that. You don't kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep laughing, kiddo. <laughs> hey, Grandma, Grandma, now you're looking funny. What you thinking about, Grandma? What am I thinking he wants to know? Go on, Perna. Smack him in the face with it. He won't cry long. You look funny, Grandma. Then again, he might. Then again, I don't know why I'm standing here thinking about it. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. I have it put me down. What's the matter with you, Grandma? What? What? Goodness, you, you had to bleed on me. You was about two inches ready to smack me right in the kitchen with that pie. And you had to suck. Goodness, isn't it awful the way the grown-ups pick up things we kids do? <laughs> We hope you like our program well enough to do this again next Tuesday night. So until next Tuesday then. This is Red Skelton saying goodbye now. Thanks for listening and thanks for buying Rolling. Good night. Remember, folks, the Greek war relief is worthy of your support. Brown and Williamson invite you to other good listening during the week. Listen to People Are Funny with Art Linkletter next Friday night and join us again with Red Skelton next Tuesday. Red Skelton is heard in this program through the courtesy of Metro Golden Mayor. Red Skelton is brought to you by the makers of Rolly Cigarettes. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Nightbeat, followed by the Fred Allen Show. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.